Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam. A full textbook, videos on key topics, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, a built-in study planner, and an essay grader, and of course, plenty of full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free by going to achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we've got Stacy Blackman Consulting on the line with us, and we have Chandler and Anthony. And Chandler, I'd love if you could just start us off by telling us a little bit about Stacy Blackman Consulting, and then we'd love to hear about each of your backgrounds. Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much, Tyler, for having us today. Um, Stacy Blackman Consulting is a leading MBA admissions advisory with a proven track record of acceptances to all the world's top MBA programs. Um, I love it especially because we're the only admissions advisory firm with a complete panel of former U.S. and European MBA admissions officers, including Harvard and Stanford, um, ranked number one by Poets and Quants uh, for our admissions experts. And, you know, just as importantly to me, last round, we helped folks get about $4.8 million in scholarship awards uh, to go to their dream MBA program. Um, as I said, my name is Chandler. I went to Stanford Business School. Um, and uh, I do a lot of work with Stacy in different categories, including running our own podcast, um, along with my amazing colleague, Erica. And we're excited to replay this conversation there a few weeks after it airs. So thanks so much for having us. And I'm especially happy that Anthony is here with us today, who is our expert on all things GRE. Hey guys, I'm Anthony. I am the director of test prep at Stacy Blackman Consulting. Um, and I've been uh, tutoring for over 20 years now, including uh, decades of GRE experience and help students go to pretty much every top business school down the line. Um, as for myself, I have multiple perfect GRE scores um, and uh, average of five-star rating couple different places online. Um, so I've had a lot of experience with this, and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to share that with uh, all the students out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, great to meet you both. And um, excited to talk about some big changes that are going on in test prep land today, right? So first, there was the GMAT focus, and that kind of was a shortened GMAT that was announced, I feel like it was at the end of last year, beginning of this year, but recently. Um, and then the GRE kind of, you know, whether it was in response to that or whether it was something else, um, has announced recently that they're going to launch the new, much shorter GRE in September of this year. The number of question or the amount of time you have per question is actually going to go down. Uh, so you have to answer more questions in a shorter period of time. Uh, this is a broader trend. You know, my company, we also do ACT prep and, you know, are familiar with the SAT and the new SAT is also a good bit shorter. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, I think first and foremost, kind of let's talk about what you think about the general trend of like doing shorter tests. Where does that come from? Why are, you know, why are we seeing it across both graduate and undergraduate admissions? And then maybe let's talk about the specifics, you know, what is the new GMAT focus and what is the new short GRE? Yeah, so I'm curious what you guys think about sort of this general move towards shorter tests, right? Like, where does it come from? And is, is it a good change or a bad change? Like, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I think it's it's pretty clearly come from uh, students, actually. Uh, certainly, I, I was speaking with GMAC just recently. They held a, a bit of a summit, and, and a lot of the top test prep companies kind of came in and got a chance to talk to them and ask questions. And one thing they were very, very clear on is that they did a, a tremendous amount of speaking with students and schools um, and kind of seeing what students really wanted and what was really important to them. And one of the very top things that students wanted was a shorter, uh, more efficient, uh, you know, somewhat less painful test. And then schools also were very clear in saying they wanted it to be shorter, to be easier on the candidates. So um, I think that's really what has sparked this move. And then as far as whether that's, you know, a good thing or a bad thing, I think there are always trade-offs. Um, in terms of a shorter test, obviously, the the fewer questions you have and the shorter the test is, the less data that's generating on students and the less that um, the schools will have to go on and, and those, you know, potentially less reliable uh, the tests are as metrics to determine who's likely to, to be successful in business school. Um, although one thing I can talk about a little later is that GMAC uh, on the GMAT side has done a number of things to try to preserve uh, reliability and, and make the test more effective with their changes. Um, and of course, the big advantage is that it's a lot easier for the students just to have a shorter test, which after all is what's driving this whole thing. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Um, you mentioned that sort of GMAC has put in place some, I don't know if safeguards is the right word, but basically just like some ways to protect the integrity of the test, even though it's shorter. Um, and I'm curious, like, if you could outline those at a high level for us. Uh, yeah, give me one second here. Because I know that the, um, I know that the, you know, this is not quite in the scope of what you're talking about, but like the digital SAT, you know, had a similar sort of spiel about how the test is still going to be just as valid and, and et cetera. Um, and I'm sure the GRE did as well, right? So part of it is like the adaptive thing, right? The ability to, essentially, you know, give more difficult questions uh, when people are doing well and easier questions when people are doing poorly. That gives a broader range of material that people are going to interact with um, and gives you the ability to kind of like tune the experience a little bit more. Um, but is there anything else sort of that we should know about kind of how it works? Yeah, there's actually uh, several things that uh, the, the GMAT people were, were talking about uh, that they've done to try to maintain and even improve reliability, um, some of which actually come down simply to the algorithm of the adaptive uh, test that they're using. Um, that's really cutting-edge stuff, and the math of it is still developing even in the last few years. And part of the place that they're getting to be able to do a shorter test and maintain accuracy is that they've simply improved uh, the algorithm, the, the computer adaptive algorithm that they're using. Basically, um, it's a smarter algorithm now that is able to more quickly kind of figure out um, what level of questions to give people. Um, so they actually gave a bunch of correlation numbers uh, and they're really maintaining. Another big thing that they're doing is they're simply slightly shifting what the test is testing um, and removing one of the main focuses, which then allows them to devote more questions to all the things they still are really interested in looking at. In particular, they're removing the sentence correction from the GMAT focus, as well as the essay, and they're really um, removing emphasis then from some of these um, verbal skills 
um, that what they've heard from schools is that they can kind of test these verbal skills in other ways, and schools don't need the GMAT to be a test of, you know, some of those verbal skills. And as mm. such, they are able to focus more fully on just testing quantitative reasoning and, um, you know, uh, reasoning skills in the verbal section and then data analysis skills. So um, their numbers internally say that the test should be um, just about the same reliability. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, I wonder how much of that is born out of the fact that the GMAT is, you know, focused on MBA programs. And generally, um, you know, the quant section is more important, right? Do you feel like for the GRE that, like, I, when I looked at the GRE, it looks like they're keeping the content almost exactly the same. Do you agree with that? And, and is that maybe because GRE is a broader test? Uh, right. My understanding and, and even what GRE says on their own website is that the content is not changing. Um, on the shorter GRE, there would simply be less of it. Um, I do think that the, the GRE obviously has a broader mission in terms of being uh, a test for all different sorts of graduate programs. And so by its nature, um, they have to keep their content fairly generalized. Um, but, you know, the, the GRE does have some data analysis sort of elements in its math section already. Um, and that's just something that is now a really renewed emphasis on the GMAT and, and maybe they're even going to go further in that direction than the GRE has been. Yeah. So then I, I guess with these shorter tests, right. I mean, does it change at all, which one you're recommending to students based on their goals or, or what they're good at, or is it still kind of feeling like you should be looking at them the same way? Uh, so obviously the, the changes do affect things somewhat. The GMAT in particular is just going to have a different question mix than it did before, even if the GRE is remaining largely the same in that regard. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean that I would say that students should now take one or the other in particular. I think that um, it really depends on the individual student and their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, it's just that now if your weakness was grammar skills, um, on the old GMAT, that might have been a deterrent, but those sort of language skills are no longer something that's being tested there, whereas um, the GRE still has a very vocabulary-based focus. And so maybe for people who are more concerned about their, their language skills, there's a bit of a shift towards the, uh, the GMAT as a better option. Um, but the GMAT is now much heavier on data analysis. It has a whole counting section now of data analysis that wasn't really there before. The integrated reasoning was always this sort of weird, only half-counted thing. And so, you know, for people who are more concerned about their, their data analytics skills and that sort of reasoning, maybe they lean a little harder towards the GRE than they otherwise would have. Yeah, and then Chandler, I kind of have a question for you here. I mean, as uh, like one of the things that stuck out to me in Anthony's sort of explanation of why are the tests getting shorter was that uh, the students obviously want shorter tests, I think, just because uh, they're less painful. Um, but the admissions officers also wanted shorter tests, which was a little surprising to me. So I'm just curious sort of why admissions officers would want shorter tests. Like what what is creating that desire for them? 
Um, I, you know, I think it's a great question. And I would love to say that it's because admissions officers want, want what's best for students. Um, you know, that is my temptation. <laughs> the truth is, you know, I, I don't know that I could really speak to that. I think what we are hearing from admissions officers is more to the question of, should I take the GMAT or the GRE as an applicant? Do you or does your institution have a preference for one test over the other? And what I'm definitely hearing in that regard is that if a school accepts both tests, then the school accepts both tests, you know, and I think in the in the early days of of the GRE being accepted, I think that there was sort of a a little bit of a hangover in people's minds, thinking that the GRE was somehow less valid or that they would be dinged for taking the GRE as opposed to the GMAT. And I definitely hear admissions officers saying that that you know if they accept both tests, they accept both tests, and they want the student to take the test that they feel that they would do the best at relative to their peers. I mean, I don't know, Anthony, have you heard anything else about an admissions officer view or other views on the shortened test? Um, no, I mean, I think the main reason that they wanted the shortened test was for students. And of course, uh, admissions officers are not entirely altruistic in this. They want um, students to apply to their schools. And, you know, if the, the tests are longer and that's dissuading students from taking them and applying to their schools, that is bad for everyone. So um, admissions officers want to make sure that students have tests that are approachable enough that, um, you know, if they're well suited to go to law school that, or to business school, pardon me. Matter or business school, right? I mean, jury yeah. is also used for a lot of different schools, so it's all good. Right. Sure. Um, but if they have students who are well suited to go to business school, um, then, you know, they want those students to, to be in the pipeline and apply. Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest thing also is just that um, if truly these companies can get the same results with a two-hour test versus a four-hour test, then, I mean, why why not? <laughs> right? Like, I think... Like I think, um, I think that that's the that's the whole that's the whole thing. I mean, I also um, I also wanted to chat about sort of again. This might be um, this might be something that you know the answer is it depends, right? But whether whether you feel like this changes sort of the the makeup of the test, like the the test body for a particular school. I feel like there's so many schools that have had a really big shift from GMAT to more GRE applicants in the last few years. Um, and part of me was wondering if the GMAT focus would, you know, help swing that the other way, but now the GRE is also going to be shorter. So clearly they were worried about the same thing. Um, and then on the other side of it, you've got, you know, the GRE releases their statistics every year and, um, you know, they have seen like a big influx of test takers uh in india in particular um, so i'm just wondering if you feel like the that these two changes are going to kind of cancel each other out or if it's going to change the makeup of sort of who takes more tests and how often schools see them i definitely think that the the changes in the, the gmat were 
prompted by concerns about the, the GRE eating into their market share, at least in some part. I, I think they also legitimately felt that they could write a better test and make some improvements. But um, yeah, it's something that they're aware of, and uh, they've been working on this for, for years to um, try to reestablish um, their position in the market. Um, and then I think it's you know pretty clear that the GRE's new shortened test is a response to what the, the GMAT did. I think they came out very, very quickly after the GMAT came out saying, hey, we've got a new shorter test. We're not really changing anything. We're just cutting off a bunch of questions and one of the essays. Um, and it's still very prominently, they're like, it's still going to be shorter than the new GMAT. Um, and they've scheduled it to actually start testing before the new <laughs> the new GMAT does. So I think it's very clear that they were concerned enough to, to have a response. Um, as far as how that might change, um, you know, what happens with students? I think you mentioned whether the numbers are the same. I think that's a really big question that we have to wait and see. I know that you know GMAT has done a bunch of internal uh, study to make sure that they were maintaining reliability. I don't know. Um, I haven't had a chance to get in front of ETS and, and ask about the GRE first person. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to their numbers. I do know that uh, the feeling over at GMAC is that they, they don't expect the, the new GRE to maintain the same level of reliability. And then what will schools do with that? We're all really waiting to find out. We don't know yet. So then the last thing I want to talk to you guys about was how does this, do the shorter chess change either how you prepare for the test and then also how you should approach the test itself, right? Um, you know, there's so many tips and tricks even that I've heard on this podcast, and I'm kind of wondering, like, which ones are still going to be valid, etc. Uh, but for the preparation step, let's go over that first. Do you feel like the shorter test will require less preparation, the same amount of preparation? Do you think that you've prepared for different things? I know that you said, Anthony, that the GMAC has changed some of the content um on the gmat focus so curious sort of what you would recommend to people that are starting to study for these tests right now sure um so again i don't uh i think the answer for the GRE is pretty easy i don't think there's any real change to how you prepare for that test um GRE people have been very clear about that it's on their website you can still prepare the same way all your preparations still good same questions um the gmat answer i think is more interesting um i they definitely had the goal of reducing prep time. And I think that most tutors agree that the, among all the verbal sections, the most preparation heavy section was the sentence correction. So moving that from the test, uh, I think will potentially reduce uh, student study time for the verbal side of it pretty significantly. Um, the trade-off is that that may be slightly counterbalanced, although I don't think it'll be totally counterbalanced, but slightly uh, by the fact that the, the data analysis actually sort of counts now. Um, you know, you had integrated right. reasoning before and schools didn't really know what to do with it and students didn't really know how much it mattered and it didn't factor into the primary score and now it does. So, you know, everyone's going to have to adjust and start um, working on that and, and working to improve on that. But I think the hope is that that is uh, a skill set that can be prepared for a little more quickly and a skill set that is a little more familiar to a lot of students who are going to business school. It's reading charts and graphs and tables and looking at multiple short sources and reasoning about them. And it's the sort of thing that a lot of us do on a day-to-day -day basis in our, our jobs. So the hope is 
that, you know, that doesn't necessarily require as much prep and the net time still presumably goes down. Great. Yeah. And then any thoughts about um, any tips or tip tricks for taking the test itself, right? Like something that, um, you know, it's basically, it's shorter in both the number of questions and in the amount of time such that there's not a dramatic difference in how much time you get per question or anything like that. Um, so do you feel like taking the test, the sort of same tactics apply? Is it maybe you're a little more careful and a little more conscientious of errors because there's fewer questions? Um, are there any other things that you'd recommend? Uh, actually, it might almost be the opposite, interestingly enough, because one other feature um, that the, the GMAT has added uh, is the ability to go back and change questions. Um, you can't do it oh, until wow. you... Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. They're very excited about it. It's something that students have apparently had really, really high on their list. I mean, I say apparently in their data, but also I've certainly heard it from my students uh, for a very long time. Um and uh, they finally got that feature now. Um, it's a new thing because the adaptive, you know, scores each question to decide the next one. So it was always thought there's no way to let you change an answer. But they've tested it out and they found a way to let students at the end of the section, once you've answered every question, go back and review as many questions as you want and then change the answers to up to three of them. Uh, now that's limited at three because they don't want people gaming the system and they've tested it out and they're making sure like no one can game this. So there's no point to saying, oh, I'm going to on purpose mention, you know, miss the first three and get easy questions and then just go back and fix them later. Like that won't work out for you. They've tested it out. They made sure. Um, but what it does do and what it's meant to do is help the students who get really stuck, who get, you know, into a question and just sort of frozen because they feel like they should be able to do it and they should be able to do it and they spend longer and longer and longer and they spend, you know, not just two minutes or three minutes, but four, five, six, seven minutes on a question they just can't let go and they just completely torpedo their time management. Um, and the hope is that by giving these students the ability to go back and change answers, it makes it easier for them to just let go. Because when students have pacing problems, on at least the GMAT, uh, and to a certain extent the GRE as well, it's not usually that they're just a little slow on every question. It really is that five-minute, six-minute question here and there. It's the couple of questions going way too long. That's what really kills you. And so, um, you know, I think that the way this does change is that now you should be a little bit quicker. I mean, we always told students, hey, you should let these questions go. You should just let them go and move on. And if you miss them, right. so be it. You'll, you'll get it back later in the test. But now I think it's even an easier sell to just say, look, if you're really struggling with a question here and there, you can't do it with every question, but you can't let it go five minutes. And if you're starting to get too long, just let it go, move on, pick an answer, whatever answer. And at the end of the section, just go back and, and if time permits, get an answer at that point. Great. You know, Anthony, I love that comment, and I might just add one piece, and again, I'm not a text prep expert, but one thing that I would remind our listeners is that admissions officers look at your test score for whichever test you take in the context of your larger application whole. So it's your test score, your undergraduate grades, your essays, your recommendations, all of these things come together. So yes, you absolutely want to get 
the best test score that you can. And I think it makes a lot of sense to try both tests to see which one is the best for you. But I've spoken to so many applicants over the years who um, there's something about this test or these tests that makes folks particularly nervous or scared. And I think that if you can sort of turn that around and, and find a way to feel empowered some people kind of gamify it in their heads. I get, I just want our listeners to feel empowered and to feel that this is one opportunity to do their very best, but that there are also these other application elements. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I want to disabuse people of thinking that, that this is the only critical part of their application because there, there are several different critical parts. Oh, of course. Right. Not even as the, the director of test prep, I'm not out there telling anyone that tests are, you know, the only thing that matters. Um, I think that it's a piece, but there are a lot of important pieces that go into this. And, um, you know, a, a strong test score can help you pick up a little bit for where other things on your application may be a little weaker. But in, in the same way, um, if the, the test score isn't quite as strong, maybe there's some other things um, about your profile that can really uh, carry you where you want to go. Totally. And Anthony, I know that you do such a great job with folks helping them find a way to sort of feel as comfortable as they can going into the test. And I feel like that's, that's another thing that I want our listeners to feel, you know, hopefully these great podcasts that Tyler puts together help you feel excited as opposed to terrified uh, and, and, and ready to, to do your best. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's exactly the point is, um, you know, the test is a performance and you should do the best that you can. Right. And that's kind of, I don't know, as we're kind of wrapping up this conversation, I think something that I will just, uh, I think I've shared before, but I'll share again, uh, is that whether you take the GRE or the GMAT, uh, you should really just be taking the one that you're going to be happiest with. Um, and whether that's related to the content of the test or the format of the test or, you know, what, which one you think is more important is kind of up to you. Uh, but it's definitely important to get yourself into a mindset that like, you know, I've got to do this thing. You know, it's kind of like when I had to, you know, do a play in eighth grade or when I had to prepare for the playoffs in whatever sport I played, like whatever it is, um, I've got to perform. So you got to be happy with what you're going to do. Um, absolutely. I think mental state is so important and so underappreciated by students. Um, you know, going into a test and feeling comfortable can make a hundred points worth of difference on the GMAT or a similar uh, dramatic difference on, on the GRE. So if you feel more comfortable taking one test over the other, that is far more important than uh, almost any other consideration here and um, almost any perception that you may have about, um, you know, which sections or school, you know, schools or tests you're supposed to, you know, prefer. Um, so I think that that's a great comment. Yeah. Do you two have any sort of parting thoughts as we wrap up this episode on, on this topic or feeling good? You know, I, whenever I talk to applicants, I, and, and this, I, I've used this advice previously about essays. I tell people to be authentic and to be vulnerable and to be bold. And as you all were talking, I was just trying to think about to what extent, if any, that translates into taking the GRE, the GMAT. And I do think 
especially that boldness comes into play. You know, I, I love the analogy. I, I was a competitive swimmer growing up and I would definitely psych myself up before I got up on the block to dive in. And those times when I was excited and fired up and looking forward to the race, I, I competed better than when I was afraid or scared that those negative feelings tend to diminish my, my belief in myself. And so I, I love the idea of, of finding a place in your own head where you're excited and confident about performing and, and to enjoy the show. Wonderful. Exactly. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Chandler Arnold and Anthony Ritz from Stacy Blackman Consulting. And Achievable has a great online GRE course that you can try for free by visiting achievable.me. Be sure to use the code podcast to get 10% off.